Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. As soon as you see the table and the chair, you know it's not Pastor Stovall. <laughs> so uh, it's awesome to be with you. My name's Clay. I serve as one of the pastors here at Celebration and I'm on the teaching team and I get the privilege of sharing God's word with you this morning. If you have your Bible, um, you can open it up. We're gonna uh, read some in the book of John and then we'll go to the book of Acts as well. But um, who was in church? Pastor Lisa mentioned it, but last Wednesday, man. Just what an awesome time in the presence of God that we had. And uh, man, we were just flowing in worship and the Holy Spirit really moved. And we've been in, uh, in, obviously in the whole story, we've been in a series here recently where we've been looking at teachings on the Holy Spirit. We're gonna continue that today and uh, look at the Holy Spirit in the early church. Obviously, we just watched a video about how the Holy Spirit, when He came into the life of believers, it brought joy, uh, even in the midst of persecution and hard times. And uh, I think that is a true sign of maturity. As you grow in the Lord, that you're able to walk through really, really difficult circumstances, but still maintain an expectant, joyful, positive attitude and spirit, amen? You gotta know, you don't just conjure that up on your own, it's a gift that's given to you in the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's why believers, I, I, believers are the only ones that are able to do that. Believers are the only ones that are able to lose jobs, lose loved ones, have no money in the bank, but still have a spirit of joy. <laughs> and that's because we have the Holy Spirit in our life. And I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. We're gonna continue uh, looking at some scripture on the Holy Spirit and, uh, and specifically in the early church today. And uh, I wanna read to you, and we're gonna study some passages that happened right after the resurrection of Jesus, actually the ascension. We're gonna look at the ascension of Jesus uh, today. I think, I think the death and the resurrection of Jesus, they get a lot of limelight, but the ascension really doesn't get as much. Uh, but you gotta know that the ascension, him leaving, going back up into heaven is honestly just as important. It's a significant moment that we never really stop to consider all that's happening right there. Uh, but we're gonna look at that today and we're gonna look at the Holy Spirit coming as he was promised. And so not only did Jesus promise the Holy Spirit would come and we can see this in, in John, look at John chapter 14, uh, starting in verse 15. This is uh, out of the NIV, uh, the NI, that's funny. The NIV, uh, side note, the other day on social media, um, I was, um, I, was, I, was I, I guess I was reprimanded by an individual for, uh, for using and, and teaching from the NIV, the, the new, you know, the, the international version. And I thought first and foremost, I was like, wow, it's kind of harsh. Uh, secondly, I was like, surely as believers, we have better things to do with our time than just come after each other. But, but here's what I want to say, because when I saw NIV, it just reminded me, what is the best version of the Bible? Now, a lot of people want to do a lot of debates. You know what I mean? Obviously all the versions, they come from different places, different word studies, all that kind of stuff, different translations. I get it. I totally understand it. What's the best version of the Bible? Let me break it down. The best version of the Bible is whichever one you actually read. That's the best, that's the best. Does us no good to have whatever the scholars say we should be reading if it just sits on your nightstand, you know what I mean? So just read something, okay? That was my soapbox for the day. So John chapter 14, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Come on, another advocate. Jesus is saying, I was one, but there's another that's coming in the Holy Spirit to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be 
in you, right? So that's Jesus promising the Holy Spirit. But the prophet Joel also prophesied that the Spirit would come to us as well in Joel chapter two and verse 28. And this is very familiar for those of us who grew up in church. And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. I love this. A promise was made and a promise was kept because we serve a God who always keeps his promises. He always keeps his word. It's one of the foundational things actually that makes him other. You've heard Pastor Stovall talk about the otherness of God. In other words, he's not like us. He's not like humanity. He is different. He is other. He is higher. He is greater, right? He's other. Humans, you know what we do? We make promises and we fail to follow through a lot. Is it just me? Have we, has, raise your hand if you ever made a promise, you didn't do what you said you'd do. You know whose hand would not be up right now? The God that we serve. He always keeps his word. He promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's delivering the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And so why is the ascension so important? Let's just, I just wanna check out a couple things and then we're gonna pray and, and all that. Um, the ascension, it's so important because when Jesus ascended, he sent to us the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving, I'll send another advocate, right? Jesus himself on earth was just one man in one place at one time. The benefit of the Holy Spirit is now every believer has the Lord with them in all places at all times. Like imagine that. Imagine the ground we're now covering because we get the Holy Spirit in us, right? Secondly, when he ascended, the intercessory work of Jesus began on our behalf. Where is Jesus right now? The word would tell us that he is in heaven, seated next to his father and that he intercedes for you day and night. If you've ever wondered, does anyone care about me? Is anyone praying for me? Yes, in fact, the best person that could be praying for you is the one praying for you right now. When he ascended, his intercessory work began for us, right? Number three, when he ascended, his eternal reign over all enemies began. He ascended, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. He has the keys, all of it. He is king and ruler over all enemies that he had, right? And number four, when he ascended, the church was empowered. This is what we're gonna look at today. Empowered, which just means given power to accomplish its mission. So let's pick up our reading in Acts chapter one, starting in verse eight. This is Jesus talking. And he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Everyone say witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now let's just pause right there. Watch this. The spirit was for witnessing. The spirit was for witnessing. I'll say it like this. The spirit brings power and power is for witnessing. Power is for witnessing. It's almost like Jesus knew, hey guys, you're actually probably not gonna be very effective without my spirit, so you're just gonna wanna wait for him. You're gonna wanna go away, be together, be in alignment, be in agreement, pray, and when he comes, you're gonna be a lot more effective and powerful than if you would start this thing without him. The spirit brings power, power is for witnessing. And sometimes in the church, if we were honest with ourselves, can we just be honest in church today? Is that all right? I know sometimes we wanna put on fake phony church faces. If we can just be honest in church today, okay? We, we, we want the Holy Spirit for like everything else. 
And we forget that the primary reason he was given to us was for witnessing. Like we like the spirit for his peace. Like, oh, he's my peace. He's my comfort. He's my friend. He's my counselor. He's my advocate. He's my this. He's my, watch. Those are all me things. Now he is those things. Praise Jesus that he gives those things. He brings those things. He is all of that. But a lot of believers, we just like the Holy Spirit for all the me things. And we forget that the initial purpose, the Holy Spirit and the power was given to us in the first place was for the benefit of others. It's so that we would actually see others come into this thing called the kingdom of God, right? Verse nine, and after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could see him no longer. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Come on, who's thankful that Jesus is coming back again? And when he comes back this next time, he's not coming as a lamb, he's coming as a lion. He's coming to rule and set up his kingdom in the earth. But here's the part I want you to focus in on today. If you like to underline your Bible and, and, and write in the margins and all that kind of stuff, I wanna focus in on verse 11. The question that is asked in verse 11, you can highlight it and it says this, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Why are you standing here? So if you wanna take some notes, I've just entitled this message, Stop Staring. Stop Staring. Because the truth is, church, God has not called us just to wait until his return. He has called us to demonstrate until his return. And that's what we're gonna look at today. Why don't we bow our heads and pray? We're gonna jump into it. So Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our campuses that are joining us right now all over the city, Lord, in Jacksonville, in Orange Park, people who are watching online and the priesthood of the believers, even Pastor Stovall and Carrie watching right now. Lord, we thank you for our church family that are tuning in right now and those in this auditorium. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. Lord, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what he was to us. He was a gift, a precious gift. We've never received a better gift. Lord, we thank you. And I pray that the Holy Spirit with us today would illuminate things in scripture that perhaps we have not taken note of thus far. God, that we would leave better than we came. We would leave with our heads lifted. In fact, I pray for that right now. Lord, lift the head of the discouraged this morning. Heal the bodies of the sick. Restore them in the brokenhearted and set captives free in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Someone say, stop staring. Stop staring. Let me give you some background to this passage right here. Okay, so Jesus, he has now come to earth. He's lived an amazing life. He did miracles, signs, and wonders. He died on a cross. He rose again from the dead. He's revealed himself to many people, um, showing that he is in fact alive. And now he is leaving his disciples. He is gonna return back into heaven as he ascends on a cloud. And Jesus tells them right here that they're not gonna be alone. Do not fret, do not fear. I will leave you another advocate. I will leave you the Holy Spirit. Please understand this. I said it last Wednesday, uh, just for a second. You gotta understand some things about the Holy Spirit. Let's break this down real quick. The Holy Spirit is not a lesser version of God. He is the full spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's He's not a second class errand runner for the Father. He's not a bench warmer. He's not lesser than a lot of people. I said it Wednesday, a lot of people have this misconception. They think like the father is on this big throne in heaven. Jesus gets a little throne off to the right and the Holy Spirit doesn't even get one because he just floats around. 
That's not the right view of the Trinity. It's not the right view of God. They, they, they are together, right? They, they magnify and praise the other constantly. There is no hierarchy amongst them. Okay, they've never in the history of the universe ever been at odds or in disagreement with one another. The Holy Spirit is God, right? And so he's saying, I'm leaving, but I'm sending you someone and I'm not sending you a second class version of myself. I'm sending you the Spirit. Another advocate, right? And as he's leaving, he's kind of laying out his church planting model that they're to start in Jerusalem and eventually themselves and the gospel message will spread you know, to the far corners of the world. So let's think about that for just a second. Watch, Jesus never meant for one local church to reach the entire world. That was never his intent. Jesus never meant for one preacher, one pastor, one man or one woman to reach the entire world. It was his plan that many local churches, that many priesthoods, many bodies of believers, <laughs> would be out there being planted, being raised up in different cities, different tribes, different areas, different languages to reach and build the kingdom of God and the earth with the time that we've been given, right? We call that the priesthood. It's a priesthood of the believers. And Jesus' message to the disciples right here, it's very simple. We don't need to complicate it. There's a lot of church growth and planting models out there. And I know a lot of people that are doing it, trying to help, but it's really not too complicated. It's a simple evangelistic mission-minded philosophy and it goes like this. Are you ready to have your mind blown? Ready, here it is. Ready, this is what Jesus said. Start where you are. Work your way out. Like, revel revelation, Todd. It's amazing. You know what I mean? <laughs> we try to complicate it so much. It's not that complicated. Just start where you are. Work your way out. If you'll just be faithful to start, naturally, the Spirit will help us work our way out. What's the first step to demonstrating the rule and reign of Jesus in our lives? It's simple, just start where you are. Start where you are. I think too many Christians are caught up in this dream for what God has for your tomorrow that you are missing what he wants you to step into today. There's things he wants you to step into, right? Start where you are then you work your way out. So, so Jesus, he's instructing his disciples on what they need to do after he leaves. Side note, we gotta keep in mind, Jesus has now lived like one of the best lives ever. I mean, it's the best life ever. If you think about it, right? Like it started with a virgin birth. That's special, you know, like that was, that was unique. He's doing miracles. He's preaching things no one has ever heard before. He dies for our sins. Three days later, he raises from the dead. He has this glorified body. He's walking through walls. That's pretty cool, right? You ever remember being young and you used to have the conversation with your friends, would you rather like fly or be invisible? <laughs> you know, like just by a show of hands, who would rather fly? It, like you would rather fly, okay? Who would rather be invisible, right? Rather be, keep your hands up. These are all the weirdos, right? <laughs> you wanna be, <laughs> right? Okay, so. <laughs> Jesus is walking through walls. Right? I mean, so, so think about that. He's walking through walls in his glorified body. So, so watch this, church. The stone didn't have to be rolled away for Jesus to get out. See, you see, it wasn't rolled away for Jesus to get out. The stone was rolled away for doubters to get in. That's why it was rolled away. And so here he is, right? He meets back up with his disciples. He shows them the scars in his hands and in his side. They're all like, wow, this is amazing. We believe. But Thomas wasn't there the first time. 
Thomas wasn't there. And so then Jesus leaves, Thomas comes back. They're like, Thomas, we saw Jesus. It's amazing. Thomas was like, nope, I gotta see it. I'm not, I don't believe it until I see it. Isn't that the mantra of a generation right now in society that we live in? I, I don't believe it until I see it. But here's what I want you to catch church. Watch this. Jesus loved a doubter so much that he came back for him. Yeah. Came back for him a second time. That should encourage a lot of us because can we just be honest? Like, look, some of us just didn't get it the first time. Jesus, salvation, this whole thing, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of righteousness. Like you just didn't get it the first time, but God loved you so much that he pursued you a second time and a third time and a fourth time. He kept coming back for you. And, and in a room this big and at our locations, Orange Park, Julington Creek, anyone, like some of you might be in here today and you're struggling with doubt. You're struggling with this thing called the kingdom and church and all of this kind of stuff. But, but I believe you're not here by accident this morning, but the reason you are even here today listening to this message that I am delivering to you is because it is yet again proof that Jesus has come back just for you. He just keeps coming back. He loves doubters so much that he'll come back and try to get them in relationship over and over and over again. I'm so glad he comes back for us and he's coming back again for all of us soon. And so back to the story, Jesus, he's coaching up his guys right here before he leaves. And as if the story couldn't get any better, like a cloud just comes out of nowhere, just picks him up. Could you imagine? Just picks him up and now he's ascending into heaven. And then the Bible tells us that disciples just watch and stare, they, they literally just watch and stare up into the sky and, and the word says, until they literally cannot see him anymore. And here's what I want you to catch right here. They, they, they're, they're watching Jesus, right? Their friend, he's being ascended into heaven. They're watching him until they literally cannot see him. And it must have been for such an awkward amount of time. <laughs> Peter, man, you see Jesus out there, hey. Jesus, what's up? This is amazing, man. Put this on Instagram. This is crazy, right? Like, it must have been for such an awkward amount of time that Jesus eventually gets all the way back up into heaven. He looks down and they're still standing there. And he's like, what are these idiots doing? What are they? And so he has to send two angels. It's in your Bible. He has to send two angels back down to earth. Like, go, go tell him to stop looking. It's just, and so they go down there. Two white-robed men appear and they ask the question in verse 11, hey, hey guys, uh, why are you still standing here staring into heaven? The same Jesus that just went up will eventually come back, but here is what is implied, church, and here's what we're focusing on today. He will return in the same way you saw him go, but listen, you can't just stand here until he does. You can't just stand here staring. You will be sent the advocate. You have been given the Holy Spirit. He is on the way. He hasn't arrived yet. We're not yet to, to Acts chapter two yet, but he is coming. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given the power to be witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. You can't just stand here staring. There's a mission at hand. There's work to be done. 
And the Holy Spirit wasn't just given so that we can have nice feelings in church services when the, when the worship music is really good and you can just have an extra dose of comfort and care for an hour and a half. He was given so that we'll fulfill a mission and pick up where Jesus left off, right? The Holy Spirit was given for the mission. I mean, think about it. These 11 guys are supposed to turn the world upside down with the Holy Spirit in them, but they can't do it because instead of looking out at their mission field, they're stuck looking up at their missionary. Have you ever been stuck staring before? Ever been stuck staring? You know, you kind of go into like a daze or a daydream and you momentarily lose focus and everything that's going on around you, other things that you should perhaps be doing because you're just kind of like in this daydream, daze and stare. See, the thing that catches me about this story is that the disciples had good intentions. Like their intentions are good. I mean, they're looking up to see Jesus. That's, that's good intentions, right? But they were stuck looking up for so long that they literally can't see him anymore is what the word tells us. You see, church, you can have the best intentions to try to see God and in your best intentions to see him, you can actually see nothing, follow me, because you're trying to put your eyes on something when you should be putting your ear to his word. So, so, so follow, this, this is gonna make sense. Watch, I believe the posture of too many believers the posture of too many believers when it comes to demonstrating and witnessing and being bold and courageous in our faith and pushing the mission forward. I believe the posture of too many is, I will when I see. I will, God, I will when I see. I, I will demonstrate when I, when I really see a good opportunity that looks like it, I, I could fit into that. I will, I will do something when I see a moment that I feel comfortable about. I will when I see, I will when I see. I, I believe a better posture would be, I am because I've heard. Come on. Come on. It, it's not I will when I see, it's I, I am moving, I am demonstrating, I am witnessing because I've heard. I've heard what he's asked me to do. I've already heard the command. Jesus literally gives his disciples a command, a game plan. Go into cities, guys. Preach. Be bold. The Holy Spirit's coming. But instead of doing what they heard, they were settling for what they saw. And it momentarily paralyzed them. That's why we got to be reminded, church, that the kingdom is different than the world. Instead of waiting to see before you act and moved and demonstrate, this is why scripture says, blessed are those who hear and obey. They hear and obey, right? Hear and and obey. Um, you know, Bethany and I, I think maybe I've shared this illustration maybe a year or so ago, but Bethany and I, um, we have a little boy, but every now and then, you know, you gotta, you still gotta date your spouse, even though you've been married, you know, been married for 12 years now, and you still gotta date your spouse, wanna keep things fresh, wanna, you know, keep the, keep the relationship alive, and so we'll go out on, yeah, awesome, shout out, okay, great. <laughs> 10 people have, are still dating their spouse, great. Um, but you know, when a kid, so, we, so we do date nights and stuff like that. We'll go out to date night. And uh, I normally I'll book, you know, a reservation. You know, my parents or someone will be babysitting the little guy and uh, get a reservation. Let's say the reservation's at seven o'clock uh, somewhere. I don't know, we're going to town center, out to the beach or something. And I normally go to Bethany. I'm like, hey, babe, in order for us to make this reservation, uh, you know, we're gonna have to leave the house about 645. And so that's really what we need to do, 645. And she's like, yeah, yeah, 645. I was like, no, no, you gotta look me in the eye. Look me in the face. I need to know that you heard what I just said. And so um, she's like, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, you know, I get myself ready. Maybe I'm out, in the, I'm out in the living room watching Sports Center, ESPN, golf, whatever it is, you know what I mean? And, uh, and finally, you know, it's kind of rolling around. It's like 
So I kind of go back into the bedroom like, hey, babe, this is just a friendly reminder. We need to roll out of here in about 15. You know, we got 15 minutes, we need to leave. And she's like, oh, okay, great. I give it maybe another five minutes. I don't really hear any hair dryers or anything going. And so I'm getting a little nervous at this point. And so I go back there and I'm like, hey, hon, like, you know, it's, it's, we're coming up on about 10 minutes. And right around the 10 minute mark is where she's like, okay, I just need to hop in the shower real quick. And then I'm gonna be ready to go. I'm like you better tell the truth and shame the devil right now because that's a lie. That's a lie. You heard, you heard what I said. You heard, you heard 645. And, and so anyways, but there inevitably comes this moment where I have to go back there and I have to be like, listen, babe, I don't know where you are at right now. Maybe you're fully not make up of or whatever your hair. I don't know where you're at, but like we have to go if we're gonna make this reservation. So if you're not ready now, you gotta get ready on the way. You just gotta get ready on the way. Someone say, get ready on the way. And there's a, there's a powerful spiritual principle to get ready on the way. Because sometimes as believers, knowing that there's a mission that we're a part of, a commission that God has, has, has pushed us forward in with the power of the Holy Spirit, but some of us, yet we still don't take any steps because you feel like you don't have everything you need to be an effective witness, or you don't feel like you know the Bible well enough, or you don't feel like you're that articulate. But here's what I've learned in serving Jesus for just a few years. If you will just take some steps, if you'll just be willing to get ready on the way, the Holy Spirit will step in. He'll help you in those moments of witnessing and demonstration and moving forward. I don't have all the answers. I don't even know where the conversations might go. I just got to be faithful to get ready on the way. Look at your neighbor, say you better get ready. Because listen to me, church, there's a bride to prepare. There's a church to build. This is not a fairy tale. This is not cute bedtime stories that we read to our toddlers. We actually have a king that is returning. And there's, listen, there's no other army coming over the hill to help. You realize we're, we're it. We are it. And we gotta step out. And we gotta get ready on the way. You don't feel like what you have. Listen, I love what we shared. Pastor Carla shared it this last Wednesday. I touched on it a little bit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, one of the things he does is he brings back to remembrance all that Jesus has said. If you'll just be faithful to step out in your workplace and on sports fields and in your sphere of influence and life that you live, if you'll just be willing to demonstrate and maybe stir up some conversation and maybe have some prayer moments and maybe just get a little bolder and get a more courageous than you ever have been before, the Holy Spirit will meet you in those moments. He will bring back to remembrance the things that Jesus has spoke to you, the things that you've read in his word. I know sometimes you put your two feet on the ground in the morning and you're like, I don't know that I have what it takes. I feel like I don't really have a lot in me to share. Even as pastors, sometimes it happens. You just feel like I feel a little depleted right now. I don't feel like I'm really in a season of overflow right now, but it doesn't matter if I, I gotta be faithful anyway. I gotta step out anyway and the Holy Spirit will meet me in those moments, right? We're carrying a mission forward. Get ready on the way. Get ready on the way. Watch this. All the Holy Spirit power that is on the inside of you, it can't do anything until you do what he said. It's, it's, it's dormant until you do what he said, what you've heard. And the disciples eventually reached a point in Acts chapter one where they had to stop staring and start demonstrating the kingdom of God. 
Now, what does their demonstration look like? Well, it obviously looks like evangelism. It looked like moments of prayer. It looked like teaching. There were miracle signs and wonders. That was certainly a demonstration that we see in the book of Acts as they started being bold. Giving and generosity was a demonstration of who they served. Their courage and boldness was a demonstration. The way they served and loved one another was a demonstration. The way they prioritized the kingdom and the urgency with which they worked that was a demonstration. How they led their families was a demonstration. How they built the church, how they spread the gospel, how they observed communion in their homes and remembered the sacrifice of Jesus. All of that was a demonstration. You following me? It's ways they demonstrated. And here's what I wanna give you with the time that we have left. Three things that happen when we stop staring and we start demonstrating. As the family, as a body of believers, as the church of Jesus Christ, three things that start happening. Number one, we grow numerically. We grow numerically. This moment that these disciples stopped staring, they started taking steps uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. The word tells us, the Bible tells us that they added Matthias as the 12th apostle to replace Judas. Judas, Judas had left, right? He, he, had, he had gone on his own way, right? And, and so they first, they went from 11 back to 12. But the next thing that happened as we get into Acts chapter one and two is the Bible tells us that they grew to 120 people that were praying in the upper room that the Holy Spirit would fall, right? According to the prophecy. And we see it there in Acts chapter one and verse 15. We don't have time to read all the scripture right now, but in Acts 1 15, the Bible tells us there's a group numbering about 120 people. The next thing that happens after that, you look in Acts chapter two, they received the Holy Spirit in the upper room it's an amazing moment. And then the Bible says that they go downstairs and in verse 41, Peter preaches his very first message. The Bible says 3,000 people get saved. That's an amazing moment. It's kind of demoralizing. I don't know that I've ever preached a message and 3,000 people got saved, but Peter's apparently really great at it. And so very first message, 3,000 people get saved, right? Well, here, I wanna pause right here because I wrote this down. Everyone, watch this, in Acts chapter two, while they're in the upper room, everyone gets filled. The Bible says all, 120 people, all are filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want you to catch, church. No one else gets saved until Peter leaves the room and walks down the stairs. No one else. I'm thankful for what happened on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. I truly believe this past Wednesday was just like an awesome moment where the Holy Spirit just fell. It was such a beautiful service. For those of you who are here, it was awesome. But, but listen, church, if what is happening inside of the four walls of our church is not changing the streets that we all took to get here, then we're missing the point. We're missing the point. Like, like, I, like, imagine, it would have been so easy for the 120 just to be like, man, this feels really great, doesn't it? Peter, James, man, this is an awesome moment. Let's just sit here for a few days, man. Let's just bask in this. I really like this. But thank God Peter knew there's a greater mission at hand. Thank God Peter knew other people need to experience this. And as awesome as it is, and as groundbreaking as this moment is, we can't just stay in this room forever. This is not just some private club for only people who are special and unique. The church of Jesus Christ is not some luxury cruise. It is a triage center where we go into our cities and we reach. Come on, I wanna be a part of a church that will plunder hell and bring people back into the kingdom of God. No one else gets saved until we take what happens in this room and we all walk out into the street. 
And you go back into your workplace and you get a little bolder and you get a, more, a little more courageous. Thank God Peter saw the value in that, right? He pe- preaches his second sermon in Acts chapter four. 2,000 more people are added to their number. So watch this. In the course of one chapter in your Bible, as soon as they stopped staring and started demonstrating, they went from 11 to 12 to 120 to 3,000 to 5,000, just like that. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. Hear me right now, everyone listen to me. Let me totally destroy everything that some of us in the Western world have built up in our minds. The church of Jesus Christ is not built on premier preachers and talented creative worship music. It is built when spirit empowered and filled believers take up the mantle and the commission that Jesus Christ has left to us and we go into the highways and the byways and we compel people that his house may be filled. And for those of us who grew up, can I just be frank? This is a real honest, kind of transparent moment. I hope I'm not overstepping. But for those of us who grew up in circles where everything was the pastor's job, you were taught wrong. Oh, it's, it's, it's his job. Isn't that why we pay him? It's his job. To, it's, no, you, you're, you got the wrong wiring. It's not. The spirit wasn't all of us so that we would all go into the places of life that we occupy and others' lives would be transformed. The power was given to us, not just so that we could have the feel goods, but so that it would benefit others. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us. Holy Spirit is waiting on us to bring people to him. It can't happen when we're frozen. I know I keep using the word staring. What is someone who is staring? Someone who is just stuck staring, that they're just spectating. They're, they're, they're watching, but they're not playing. They're not in the game. They're not aiding in the work. They're not doing anything beneficial. They're not involved in the mission. They're motionless. They're unaware. They're immobile. And I believe there's too many well-intentioned believers, but they're still stuck staring and they're missing priceless, precious opportunities to be a part of the mission. So the question we have to ask ourselves, each of us individually is, am I a participator? Am I involved? Am I active in this mission that Jesus gave us? Do I have some skin in the game or am I stuck staring? I also thought about this. Listen, the longer you stay staring, the more opportunities the enemy has to bring distractions to your life. Like when I'm not busy about kingdom work, Maybe I'm saved, I've punched my ticket to heaven and I'm good, I'm not saying you're not a believer, but if I'm not busy about the mission, I'm just kind of sitting and I'm just kind of cruising through this thing, the more opportunity the enemy has to constantly bring distraction into my life. Some of us have lived long enough to know that's real. But if I'm busy about the work of the kingdom, And every day I wake up and I'm looking for opportunities and I'm just yielding to moments that I feel the Holy Spirit is bringing, then I have less chance of being distracted. Someone write this down. I will be less fooled when I am more focused. I'll be less fooled when I'm more focused. Some of us, man, the enemy, like you're swinging on every curveball the enemy throws you because you're, you're just stuck staring. But I'm here to tell you, man, if you'll just get busy with kingdom work, if you'll just get fired up again about the mission, if you'll just start taking steps again, start demonstrating faithfully, the enemy's gonna have less opportunity to just get in meddling all of your life. 
He's still gonna try. I mean, he's not gonna like the fact that you're demonstrating for a kingdom that is not his own, but, 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 but I'm focused now. I'm focused on a mission at hand, right? The second thing that happens, I got five minutes left. The second thing that happens is we don't just grow numerically, we grow geographically. We see this in the early church. You see this all throughout the book of Acts. We grow geographically. The moment they stopped staring, they started taking actual territory for the kingdom of God. The gospel was spreading throughout the New Testament in Europe and Asia like crazy. So the question I wanna propose to all of us is I wonder what territory in your life God wants to occupy. Because I believe there's university campuses and jobs and workplaces and businesses and cubicles and offices and family homes and military branches and sports fields and hospitals and classrooms. He wants all of those places. He's just waiting on us to demonstrate. God wants to occupy these places. He just needs some movers, some shakers, right? You gotta start waking up every day with the spirit that says, wherever I am today, this is the kingdom of heaven on earth because I have now ushered in the Holy Spirit here. If you're struggling today, I wrote this down. If you're struggling today with what is my purpose? Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? Like, I don't know all the intricate details of your purpose. Obviously God's formed and fashioned it. And as you yield to him and have relationship with him and grow in him, he's gonna continue to show you steps on steps, right? That's why the scripture says, as often as we are in his word, it is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. He'll show you a lot of the details, but here's what I do know. We just as general believers, our purpose is to bring heaven to earth in whatever sphere of life we occupy. Heaven to earth changes, it's gonna change Mondays, huh? When you, when you get a revelation of that and that boring nine to five job that you hate, but you're only there because it's giving you a paycheck. And if someone just offered to give you 75 cents more an hour, boy, you'd be out of that place. Like, like you know what I'm saying? But all of a sudden you realize that I am where I am providentially, perhaps because the Holy Spirit has led me here and I am here to bring heaven to earth in this place. I'm an outpost, I'm on mission. God has me here for a reason. Maybe you're the only one serving God in your family right now and you have to, you get to come to Celebration Church and you feel uplifted and the music's great and all that kind of stuff. And then you gotta go back home to where people don't believe in God and the language is foul and it's just messed up. And you're like, man, this is such a, just a degrading negative atmosphere. I just wanna get out of here. But maybe catch a revelation that the reason you're still there is because somebody's gotta bring heaven to earth in that place. That's our job. So look at your life right now. Examine again your life. How can you bring heaven to earth in the spheres that you occupy? How can I bring heaven to earth there? I mean, it's the Lord's prayer, right? In Matthew six, on earth as it is in heaven. And can I help you? Let me give you a piece of advice. The best way to change your world is to let the Holy Spirit keep changing your life. We grow geographically when we stop staring and we start demonstrating. And as the band joins me, the last one is this, we grow spiritually. We grow spiritually. I believe this to be the weightiest of them all. Because when you look at the 12 disciples, what you see is you honestly, you see like this hodgepodge group of men. Like none of them were vocational religious men before following Jesus. They're, they've got some fishermen, tax collectors, like manual labor, you know, kind of guys. And as you read in scripture, you see from time to time, they got their own issues along the way. You see that? I mean, there's, there's moments of like the occasional bad tempers, 
There's, there's bickering, anger, there's some laziness, there's some disobedience in there, things of that nature. We can all relate with that. But what I notice is that when they finally stop staring in Acts chapter one and the Holy Spirit falls on them, you know what I see is they all grew up. Like they grew up fast. Like you look at the Bible, like you got guys like Peter. I know Peter, he's, just a, he's obviously a very prominent figure in the disciples. And so he kind of gets, he's like an outlier. He gets talked about a lot. Think about Peter though. I mean, like he's a denier, he's a fisherman. Like he wasn't, he wasn't vocational before Jesus. He didn't have a lot of religious training maybe before Jesus. And I mean, he's just a Jewish guy. Sure, he grew up in, in Jewish temple and all of that kind of stuff, but yet Jesus selects him. He's got anger problems. He's like quick to pull the sword and cut people's ears off. He's like, he's got issues. You know what I mean? Like Jesus, is even, Jesus even refers to him as being Satan at one point. Like if you ever thought you were on God's bad side, I don't know that he's ever called you Satan. You know what I mean? Be encouraged today. So, Peter's got some issues, he's got some immaturity there. But all of a sudden this immature, anger, crazy, like wild card of a guy is filled with the spirit filled with this boldness, what a precious gift he's received. And all of a sudden, as soon as we turn into the book of Acts, out of the gospels, he's the first one out the door, into the streets, opening his mouth, declaring who he knows the person of Jesus to be. And 3000 people respond on day one. They grow up fast when they're filled with the spirit boy, he grew up fast. You look at the rest of them, all of a sudden, man, they're just, they're just spreading out and they're going out two by two and they're ministering. And the Bible says like shadows are healing people. They're, 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 they're speaking to people and the lame are rising up and walking again and, and people are being transformed. And, 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 and you think about Philip who just like, is like teleporting places and he's ministering the gospel and people are being saved. You're like, what happened to these guys? In fact, there's even a scripture Pastor Brian and I were talking about. The Bible says that when other people saw them and they had learned that they were unschooled, ordinary men. The Greek word there is idiotes. Do the math. When other people learn, wait, you didn't go to school for this? You're just ordinary fishermen from Galilee? Where's this power coming from? And they took note that they had been with Jesus and they're filled with the Spirit. I'm here to tell you the Spirit wants to fill you. And it's not just about numbers and it's not just about more territory, but it's about your own spiritual growth at the same time. That's weighty. Now we talked about joy. Sure, many brings joy into our life. All the other fruit that Pastor John and Pastor Lee did, that's all fruit of the Spirit, what they were talking about right there. But you gotta, Stop staring and start demonstrating. So here's what I wanna do just real quick. How, what, do we, what do we do? What do we do from here? What, what's my homework? What do I gotta do? Here's your homework. Just take a step. Now notice what I said right there. Take a step. You don't even have to run the whole Christianity marathon today. Just take a step, just one step. So, so I wrote some things down. Sometimes it's hard for people to figure out their own step. Just let me help you with some options. Maybe today, um, the first step for you is you just need to demonstrate just by saying yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the first step of demonstration for some of us. I'm finally, once and for all, gonna demonstrate I am loyal only 
to Jesus Christ. Maybe some of us need to demonstrate by being water baptized. If you're a believer in Jesus and you've never been water baptized, today is the day. Be, repent and be baptized is what the word tells us. You can be water baptized right now, today, before you leave. We got clothes, we got towels, we got all of it. Pastors are ready to water baptize you out there. Maybe you can demonstrate by some of you, your, your households, you just need to make the commitment to take ownership of your own faith, then I'm gonna prioritize gathering together with other believers every single week. Like, can I just be, I'm a pastor, I love you, so I'm gonna say it. Some of us, like we're, we're still, you know, we're still treating church like it's just like a come and go kind of thing. Like if I didn't catch the movie, I'll just catch it next week or whatever. Like, like some of us, we need to demonstrate by prioritizing the house of God. You, gotta, you, you just gotta, that, that's, a, that's a turn that some of us need to make. I say it lovingly, but like, like if, you're, if you're a once a monther, you can do better. Like, let, 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 let's take some more steps into going deeper because as often as we're in atmospheres where the Holy Spirit is moving and God is speaking and the word of Jesus Christ is being taught, it's only ever helping you. It's only ever growing us and maturing us. Like it's, the word is washing over us, okay? Demonstrate by becoming the priest of your home, right? Honoring the Sabbath, taking communion. Some of us, we need to demonstrate through generosity and tithing and giving and helping the mission move forward, even financially, right? So I think we can all examine our lives and find out some steps that we need to take. Why don't we stand to our feet and I'm gonna pray for us. There's a bride to be prepared and he's called us to prepare it. A kingdom's coming, a king is coming. We wanna be ready for his return. Not just my own house. I mean, yeah, I wanna make sure my house is in order. Like that's on me. I wanna make sure my house is in order just like you need to make sure your house is in order. But, but he's called us to help others. It's for the benefit of others. The Holy Spirit was always for the benefit of others. And here's what I'll say is, listen, Jacksonville, you know, it might not be like the most noteworthy, attention-grabbing city in all of the world. You know what I mean? And I get it, it's not London, New York, Paris, LA, like I get it, but, but here's what it is. It is our city. And in our city, we all we got. Like I said, there's no one else coming. It's on us. We're the believers. There's other, sure, other churches and locations in our city, but, but we're the believers. It's on us. He's placed us in this city and yeah, you might move one day, but as long as you're here now, it's your city. And I'm just believing that man, if that, if like a spirit of ownership would just rise up in all of us, that this is the place that God has called us. Man, you look at these disciples, Peter was the first out the door because Peter's passionate about the Jews in Jerusalem. And he's like, man, if this, if Jesus has done this in me, I wanna see it, this is my city. This is where God's called me. And if you can have that rise up inside of you, a passion for the places and spaces that God has you occupying, then the Holy Spirit is ready to move through you. He's ready. So I wanna pray for us with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're saying, it's simple today. If you're saying, Lord, use me, fill me with your spirit and help me be active on mission. I just want you to put your hands in the air. Help me be active on mission. Maybe I've been, I've, I've been staring for a little while. I don't wanna stare anymore. Don't wanna waste time anymore. I wanna be active on mission. Father, right now for every hand lifted, you see every family, every individual, every household that is represented. Holy Spirit, fill us, fill us, 
fill us right now, every aisle, every row from the front to the back, be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. God, yes, you bring us joy, bring joy to those who need it, bring an increase in faith to those who need it. God, I, I pray that doubt would deplete and faith would increase right now in Jesus' name. God, bring goodness into our life, self-control into our life. God, all of the fruit that is your spirit, yes, bring all of that, but Lord, we, we understand this morning that God, it was given to us, you were given to us that we might continue where you left off and it would benefit those around us. Lord, help our mouths open where they've stayed shut in the past. When someone comes to us and they have issues, they have prayer needs, and, 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 and maybe, maybe we've been bold enough to say, oh, you know, hey, I'll keep you in my prayers. But Lord, I pray we would even be bolder in those moments to say, let me pray for you right now. Let's talk about this right now. I believe that there's a Holy Spirit that can meet right now, just as the two of us sit in Panera Bread and Starbucks right now. God, help us be bolder because God, we are so grateful for what you're doing inside of these four walls, but Lord, it has to change the streets. It has to change the streets. Give us a boldness and give us a courage in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.